Amen. What's, it's one of those nightmares that is common throughout the world. There are many variations of this dream, but here's how mine went. Now let me set the scene for you. It's circa 1983-84. I'm in junior high. I wake up in a cold sweat from a dream that is so awful it takes me a moment to compose myself. But here's how the dream went. In the dream, I'm sitting in a class, sitting at my desk, the teacher's up there teaching, whatever teachers do, and I suddenly look down and I have no clothes on, nothing but my underwear, and I'm horrified. And the rest of the dream is spent trying to find clothes or to, to hide from whoever's in there. Anyone had that dream or something like it before? Anyone? Yeah. Uh, it's one, it's people who study that, those type of dreams say that they revolve around feelings of shame or being exposed or being rejected. And it's, it's a common theme of humanity. It's one of the reasons that our scripture this morning, it's one of my favorite scriptures. It's been a favorite of uh, teenage boys and theologians throughout history for very different reasons, mind you. But uh, the scripture reminds us of that longing that we all have as humans to be known and yet not ashamed. Because most of us go around trying to hide our true selves from others. We hide behind masks of shame and guilt and feelings of not being enough. We seek approval of others, but we don't share our real selves because of the fear of being rejected and the fear of shame. But back in the Garden of Eden, though, it was different. Back in the Garden, Adam and Eve, they lived a life without shame. They were naked and unashamed. That is until they decided to play God. You know the story. They, they did what God told them not to do. They sought to be something they were not. When they desired to know good and evil and decide for themselves what was good and evil, they began the long spiral of hiding and shame. And so God called out to Adam in the garden. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Knowing full well where Adam was. But Adam replied, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. It's one of the saddest verses in Scripture. I heard you, God, but I hid because I was afraid. And I was naked. I did something that, that made me feel ashamed. So I hid. I covered it up. I put on a mask so that you wouldn't know the real me. Because there's nothing worse than feeling naked. And Adam and Eve's story is the same as our story. My dreams for life start out so good. I have all kinds of dreams. Dreams of changing the world. Dreams of greatness and adventure. Dreams of destiny. But those dreams turn to nightmares. Cowering naked in a classroom. Longing that no one sees me. But that's not the dream that God has for us. God's dreams for us are great. God's dreams great things for our lives. And longs that we would live out those dreams. God desires that our lives are lived with passion and purpose and adventure. But too often we hide in shame. Longing to be known. But hiding behind masks of fear. Masks that don't show the real me. Because if I show you who I really am, you might not like me. 
you might laugh at me. You might recoil in horror. You might reject me. I might not be enough. You might not even care. When was the first time you put on a mask? What masks are you wearing right now? Because we all have a longing that has been built within us. A longing to be known. We long to live without mask. To be known and still loved. But hiding ourselves and wearing masks is a part of life. Feeling ashamed and hiding our true selves has been elevated to an art form for many of us. Because that's how we think we have to live. We have highly ornate masks which we wear and trade out depending on the circumstances. Who we're with. But these masks really aren't the problem. The hiding is not the problem. The shame is not the problem. They're just symptoms of the real problem. They are symptoms of the deeper issue that plagues all of us. And that's sin. One of my favorite books talks about this issue of sin that we all deal with. In fact, I've used this book for probably 15 or 20 years. It's a book called True Faced. True Faced by Bill Thrall, Bruce McNichol, and John Lynch. Most of what follows in this sermon comes a lot from that book. And in fact, uh, John Lynch has such a great sermon on this that I would encourage you uh, to go online and just search for True Faced, True Faced, and watch his sermon. But anyway, there's, there's a couple of ways that we react to sin. When we sin, we automatically respond by feeling guilty. And when someone else sins against us, we automatically respond by being hurt. So we either feel guilt or hurt because of sin. And too often we don't know what to do with that guilt and that hurt. And, and, and we try to hide behind masks to protect ourselves. So it's a way to protect ourselves. But, it, but that doesn't make that hurt and that guilt go away. And, and we continue in this cycle of guilt and pain and putting on mask after mask after mask. And the results are a myriad of terrible behaviors that, that tear us down. In fact, let me list many of the behaviors that happen when I have unresolved sin, when I wear masks. The first one is this. I become highly sensitized to my sin and judge the sin of others. You might see people like this who love to point out your sin, who love to to bring condemnation on others, but inside they're just trying to, to hide what's going on in them. Second, I lose my objectivity in a crisis and I become the issue. That sounds great, doesn't it? Third, I hide my sinful behavior and become vulnerable to more sin. I see this so often. I'm sinning, so I'm going to hide. And that hiding from that sin, hiding from those unresolved issues, creates more sin and deeper patterns of sin that it's harder and harder to get out. For I am unable to be loved or to, to love. Sometimes we become prickly when we put masks on. Five, I become susceptible to wrong life choices. So it's hard to make good choices when you're living with these unresolved issues going on in your life. Six, I attempt to control others. Now, isn't that a fun list? Don't you want to live that way? See, that's how we too often live. In fact, isn't that what the world often looks like? You probably, you're probably thinking of people in your life that look like that. 
Now, back when I was in college, I, I began to truly understand the mass that I wear uh, and began to recognize the solution to the problem. And my life since then has been a journey of trying to live my life where I can truly be known and not ashamed. But back when I was at Tech, uh, I was a part of the Wesley Foundation, and we had this group of guys that we meet every week. We were meeting in the basement of Wesley, and I was kind of the unofficial leader. But what we did is we'd just go around and share, how's it with your soul? Where are you struggling? Where are you succeeding? Uh, what successes, wins, etc. What What's going on in your life? And so... This one particular week, we're doing that, and we're going around the circle, and, and each guy is sharing about how their week is going, how their uh, small group, you, their uh, devotional time, and scripture reading, and prayer, and they're talking about some of their wins and successes. And as each man is sharing, I am feeling terrible inside because I had a horrible week, and I had some unresolved sin in my life. And I was living in some shame and guilt. And I had my mask on as they're going around. And each time, each guy is sharing about their wins and successes. I'm feeling worse and worse. They all get around and it comes to me. I have a choice to make. I can put on the mask. I'm doing fine. You know, quiet time's been tough this week. But, you know, I'll, I'll get through it. I'm doing fine. Or I could take the mask off. So I took a chance that day because I felt so terrible inside and I, and I just shared what was going on. That I was harboring sin and, and, and I wanted to hide it. And I was ashamed. And, and what happened next was something that was absolutely sacred. Each man in the group, you know what happened? They began to confess what really was going on in their life and not the mask that they were wearing. It, it began the process of healing for many of those men in that group. I had chosen to trust them with my shame and they didn't respond with horror but responded in grace. And, and, and that confession allowed them to let down their guard. And allow God's grace to begin to heal them as well. See, this is how we are supposed to live life. John Wesley knew that. And that's why he so encouraged every member of the church to be in a group where they would ask those questions. He didn't care if you knew what the 66 books of the Bible were. That was important. But it was more important if you were known. If you were growing in grace. But we can't live that way if we hide our sin and shame. Now believe me, this is a risk to step out in faith. Because you don't know how others will react to you. Sometimes you'll be rejected. But that's why it is so important to have a group of brothers and sisters in your life where you can be known and still loved. The reason we hide in shame, though, is because of our wrong ideas about God's views of us. Too often we think that God is disappointed with us, that God tolerates us, that God loves us, but he doesn't really like us. But I remind you again of the truth. God's character is holy love. You're created in the image of God, and you're a child of God. And as a follower of Christ, you are a new creation. You are loved and accepted by God. You have already been transformed. You are a saint. You are enough. 
Through Jesus Christ, we have been saved. But we get stuck and sucked into that belief that we have to measure up to be liked by God. That we have to perform and put on a mask in order for God to accept us. But no amount of effort on our part will save us. And no amount of effort on our part will make us godly. It is only God's amazing grace that saves us. And it is only God's grace that makes us holy as he is holy. Grace reminds us that we cannot save ourselves. I want to let you in on a secret. God knows you. And he's not ashamed of you. God sees you naked without your mask. And he still thinks you're great. Over and over again in the Bible, we see this truth with Jesus. Jesus is always trying to expose the sin, to bring light to darkness, so that we don't live in that darkness, so that we can learn to live in grace and in light. When Jesus spoke with the woman at the well, he knew that she was living with a man that wasn't her husband and that she had had five husbands, yet he offered her living water. The woman caught in the very act of adultery is shamed and condemned by everyone around her, yet Jesus offers her grace and a chance to start over again. Another woman sneaks up on Jesus to touch the fringe of his garment to be healed in the hopes that she would be healed. She does so in secret because she is ashamed of who she is and ashamed of what she is doing, and so she tries to hide, yet Jesus calls her out. Not to shame her, but to offer her true healing and restoration. In Genesis, Adam and Eve are naked and ashamed, yet God makes the first sacrifice and kills an animal in order to use the animal's hide to hide their shame. Sin always has consequences. But God is always in the business of reconciling and transforming. It costs. It costs a lot. Grace is not cheap. Peter is ashamed at what he has done in denying Jesus, yet Jesus offers him restoration. Remember? In fact, let's watch this clip from the skit guys that retell this story for us to see the depth of that grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good, and, then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter, Yeah. do you love me? I love you, yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster clucking. I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter, Yeah. do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. 
that are so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay, he is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is, it is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, yeah. the angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. You see, we, like Peter, have to learn to trust God with who we are. God knows that we sin. God knows our secrets. God knows our darkness. But what does God want from us? He doesn't want us to work harder at not sinning. No, he wants us to trust him and become dependent on him. Picture it. Too often this is the way we try to work it. It's us and we have Jesus behind us and we're trying to work on our sin issues. We have this great big pile of sin out in front of us and we're like, Jesus, you hang out here and I'm going to work on this sin here so that when you get up here you won't see this and then we get this pile of sin worked on and then there's another and we're always trying to hide from this sin with Jesus and that's the wrong way to do it. Instead, we should be bringing Jesus beside us and Jesus is looking at that pile and saying, yeah, that's a pile of sin. But let's work on this together. Trust me. Do what I tell you to do. Trust me, and we'll work on this sin together. And Jesus picks up the shovel and with us together works on getting rid of that unresolved sin. Even in the midst of sinning, Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We trust Jesus, and he will help us work through our sin issues together. We see who we are. We are love first. We are loved by God, and God is not ashamed of us. We need to change our focus. Too often we see ourselves as sinners who are saved. We are sinners that were saved, absolutely. But now that those of us who have been saved by Christ, we have been transformed into saints who sin. 
And that's where Jesus, where we trust him more and more in his grace, can guide us into maturity. We long to be known. And grace allows us to grow in maturity of faith, a faith where we learn to trust God even in the midst of ourselves where we don't try to hide. We watched Jesse's testimony earlier this morning. And remember when the healing came? You might not know it. Jesse might not even realize it. When Jesse admitted to Charlie who he was, was when healing could begin. That's when God could come in and transform. When he admitted who he was and didn't hide. There are several things that grace teaches us, but I want to highlight five truths of God's grace. First, humility attracts grace. We have to humble ourselves, right? We have to take that thing off our face. I don't got it together. Second, grace changes our focus. We no longer focus on ourselves, but we focus on Jesus. We trust and obey. Third, grace lets God handle sin. It's not up to me, totally. It's up to God to work through me. Four, grace melts masks. Five, grace changes how we treat each other and our sin issues. When someone comes to me and confesses a sin, I'm not shocked. I rejoice. I don't recoil in horror. I rejoice. Praise God, because now healing can come. Praise God, because now we can work through these issues. God wants us to live our dreams. When we begin to live in grace, it changes us. When we can imagine who God has created us to be, we can live out his dreams for us without shame. And that is my prayer for us this morning. Let us pray.